Last time on Christmas Stories. I do love only you, Yosef. But Adonai has chosen me to carry his son. No, no, it cannot be. It is, Yosef. I need time to think and to pray. I will seek Adonai's guidance and return with my decision. That was from the drama called Nine Months in Nazareth, where Mary and Joseph were faced with the difficult choice of whether to get married or not after discovering she was pregnant. And we're going to hear the rest of that drama today on the Christmas Stories podcast. I'm John Fuller, joined again by my focus colleagues, Lisa Anderson and Diane Angolia. And with Christmas just a little less than three weeks away, I wonder, ladies, when you were growing up, did... Well, I know you both heard about the original nativity <laughs> story a lot, didn't you? Mm-hmm. We did through the awkward Christmas pageants that always happened <laughs> at church. Which you were yeah. a good church girl. Were you <laughs> in them? Were you in those awkward pageants? Yeah, and I feel like I never really had a starring role, which kind of rankled with me because I, you know, I usually ended up being a shepherd or a lamb or something, you know, so I there might be a little bit of bitterness um, <laughs> still there. But also in putting up, we had a family nativity, you know, putting up my mom's nativity. Yep. She would kind of yeah. talk it through, although I realize now there were a fair number of uh, details and emotion left out. <laughs> so it's kind of <laughs> nice to revisit it on my own terms. Yeah. How about you, Diane? Well, you know, it, growing up where we did, they used to have a nativity scene that ran down the center of the city and you would walk from scene to scene. They were life-size statues. And then in front of all of them was part of the scripture which is this is a public display it was a can you believe it it was amazing and it was lit up and you could just walk down the street and families would walk down together and you would read the scripture in front of these life-size statues Hmm. and you would walk a mile it took a mile to walk down and then you'd walk back up and they'd have hot chocolate so the story was retold to us every year through the real scripture in front of it, hmm. having not been raised in an evangelical church, it was a great way to see the Christmas message with these great, gigantic statues. Mm, I wonder if uh, there's any chance that would still happen today. No, they removed <laughs> them all. Oh, I'm so sorry I for know. that. Well, our church was very deliberate and very intentional about kind of paving the way, and Advent season was very meaningful for us. and. I trust that as you listen to this drama, Nine Months in Nazareth, about the decisions and about some of the uh, emotions that went on, you'll uh, be reflective about that time when Jesus was about to enter the world. Let's go ahead and hear the rest of the drama that we began last episode. And may I mention that my daughter, Serafina, plays the part of Mary. That is a neat little connection, and you didn't know that until just a few minutes ago. I did not. Well, you did, but you forgot Yes, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go ahead and listen in. Adonai, why have you forsaken me? I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Yet, you are holy. And you love Miriam as I do, even more. I will not disgrace her family, or her, publicly. But will divorce her quietly. I couldn't bear to see her hurt or ridiculed. (sighs) And I cannot imagine my life without her. Oh, but but what else can I do? The child she carries is not mine. And I will not raise another man's child. 
Yosef, Yosef, son of David, do not be afraid to take Miriam as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Is it possible? Has Adonai truly chosen Miriam as the mother of his son? Oh, Most High, then her family truly is blessed. Oh, I must go to her. Yorima was right. It is a miracle. What have you decided to do? Oh, Miriam, I feel only shame for not believing you. And for not believing that Adonai would choose you. I don't understand. What changed your mind? An angel. An angel appeared to me in a dream. And he told me, your child is of the Holy Spirit. And that we are to name him Yeshua. For he will save his people from their sins. Yes, yes, he told me his name would be Yeshua too. And that he would reign over the house of Jacob forever priest and king. Oh, it makes sense. For I am of the house of David and your family follows the priestly line of Levi. How funny that he would tell you of his son's priestly calling and me of his kingly future. Adonai's ways are truly beyond our comprehension. Oh, yet he has told us all we need to know. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Adonai has chosen you to be a part of his salvation for our people. Oh, I feel so unworthy to call myself your husband. But Yosef, don't you see? God chose you too. I've been pondering why he selected me for this honor. I'm nobody special. A virgin, yes, but so are many girls my age. And my lineage plays a part, I know. But I also know that he chose me because you are my husband. He didn't just choose a mother to give birth to his son. He chose a father to raise him. He chose you. Yes, but look at the son God has given us. I suppose we are the first in our family to know we were having a son. And what to name him before he was even born. Yeshua. Ah, Yeshua, the Lord saves. He's just a baby, but Adonai has so much in store for him. Can we even comprehend it? Oh. Some things we may not understand until Adonai reveals his plan to us. I know. Still, I can't help but be a little afraid for him. 
I just want to hold him close. Sweet baby boy. And I will hold both of you close as long as Adonai allows. Hear someone outside. Who could it be at this time of night? Oh, don't worry, my beloved. I will watch over you. Yes? Is someone there? Yes. Uh, I am Eliezer. Uh, my brothers and I, um, may we come in and visit the child? You see, we were in the fields watching over our flocks when, well... Something unbelievable happened. Actually, I think we'll find it perfectly believable. You know, I'm pretty sure that if I were Joseph or Mary in that situation, I would have done something far different. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just not wired necessarily to do what they did. I don't know, but I guess God prepared their hearts for this journey. Diane, you were part of that drama, I and your was. daughter was part of the drama, <laughs> no. as you noted. What inspires you still from that thing? You know, it is amazing to me of the youngness of Mary and yet the faith that she had to walk in the calling that she was called by God to do. I just think that is so phenomenal. And I think about who I am and would I have had the faith to say, yes, pick me. And I am willing to suffer the consequences of my family and my society around me because I knew that I was doing what God had called me Mm. to do. I think that just is phenomenal. Yeah, there was such a moment in time where it was the hardest thing in the world. But of course, Mary and Joseph are immortalized in a sense. I mean, they are heroes of the faith following God on a journey most difficult, most unexpected. But um, thank God that they did. Remaining faithful and believing in God's promises. Well, let's go ahead and return to more from a message by author and Bible teacher Liz Curtis Higgs. Last time we shared a little bit from a chapel service here at Focus on the Family in which Liz spoke. She addressed the faith of Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist. And here she is now explaining how we can learn from Mary's example of faith. Then the Bible says in the sixth month, that's not the sixth month of the year, it's not June, it's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Imagine this, God is measuring time by a woman's growing womb. Incredible. Never doubt for a moment how important women are to God. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee. Busy guy. Went to see Zechariah, now he's visiting Mary, little Galilee, less than a hundred people. He went to see a virgin pledged to a man named Joseph. Pledged, betrothed, as good as married. They could not break that short of a divorce. She was very young, friends. She was 12 to 12 and a half. Now I know you're saying, where does it say that in the Bible? What it says is that she was betrothed, and a young woman was betrothed, At the very moment she was perhaps able to conceive a child, her parents found 
a husband for her. And they were betrothed, and they had a ceremony, and they waited one full year, and then they married. So we've caught Mary in that year so young. The angel went to her. I doubt she was looking for him. I don't think she was scanning the skies of Nazareth. I think she was doing what women did back then. She baked bread, and she lit her lamp, and she pressed olives. She was just going about her life like we do, like we do right now. You're just doing what you do on a Monday afternoon, not thinking about what God is up to right now, but he's up to something. He is doing things in your life you can't even imagine. They may be years in coming, months in coming, weeks in coming, or it could be tonight. But God is busy. The angel shows up and says, Greetings, earthling. I just love that. That's the LRV. It's actually hail in the King James. You who are highly favored, that means full of grace. Listen, God didn't choose Mary because she was special. Mary was special because God chose her. Wow. And he said to her, the Lord is with you. This is very different than may the Lord be with you. That's like a blessing. This is a statement of fact. The Lord is with you. No wonder she was shocked. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She was thoroughly shaken. She was very perplexed. The LRV is she was freaked out. And you know what the angel said next. Fear not, Mary. Do not be afraid. Here's the cool thing in the New Testament. When an angel says, fear not, do not be afraid, what comes next? is always good news. What you want to worry about is an angel that shows up and doesn't say, fear not. (laughs) Then you be afraid. You be very afraid. Okay? But when they say fear not, it's because good news is coming. You have found favor, grace with God. You will conceive. Do you see any option here? Might happen, might not. Mm -mm. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you were to call him Jesus. Now, every mother thinks her child is special. We do. But this child will be great, the angel said, called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? See, the truth of the matter is, Gabriel lost her way back at conceive. She didn't hear about all the other stuff. She was back at, I'll do what? Now, you would think she's doubting. That's not doubt. She's not asking for proof. Friends, she just wants to know. It's a logical question. How? How's this going to happen? How can I be pregnant since I know no man? Legitimate question. I love how the angel answered her. The angel didn't take her voice away. He answered her. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. There is not a commentator or theologian in the world who knows exactly what that means. But sounds a little scary. He will overshadow you. 
I'd have so many questions. Wouldn't you have questions? Like, when? Because I want to be ready, you know. <laughs> and, and, and where exactly? And um, do I need to take a shower? You know, and, I don't know. Is it going to hurt? What's going to happen? I'd have a million questions. Mary had one question. How? She got her answer, the Holy Spirit, and she believed But then as a word of encouragement to her, because isn't God good, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was unable to conceive is in her sixth month. She who was unable, but God was able. God loves to bless the barren. He does. Rebecca was barren, and then she gave birth to Jacob, and Hannah was barren, and then she gave birth to Samuel, and Rachel was barren, and then she gave birth to Joseph. Friends, any barrenness in our lives, in any definition of barrenness, is God getting ready to do a miracle? These stories had to have the miraculous because we had to look at them and say, only, only God. We come to the most important verse, not only in the Christmas story, but I think in our own story, Luke 137. Nothing is impossible for God. The NCV is God can do anything. What's your impossible? Isn't there something you're saying to yourself, oh, but God could never do that? Have you got one? You don't have to tell. I just want to know if you've got one in mind. Oh, come on, think harder. Of course. There's a relative that doesn't know God, and you have just given up. It seems impossible. There's a marriage that's so destroyed, it just seems impossible. There's a friendship torn apart, it seems impossible. You have friends who are unemployed for months, it seems impossible. But the Bible says so clearly God can do anything. It's not about what we can do. It's about what God can do. Jesus said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Mary was on board. Mary believed. I am the Lord's servant, she said. May your word to me be fulfilled. Friends, she was 12 And we're a little older than that. Except for the baby. Where'd the baby? Oh. Oh, I was hoping you'd call out to me. I love having a baby in the audience. See, other people sometimes don't. Let's be honest. You look back and go, why did they bring a baby? (laughs) Even at focus on the family. (laughs) But I love having a baby's cry. Because do you understand that's how we sound to God? We think we're so sophisticated. It's really more like, Wah! That's why the Holy Spirit needs to interpret for us. It's kind of pitiful. Wah! He sent Jesus as a baby who had no way to communicate but to cry. But his mother knew his voice. His mother knew what to do. 
I love the way that Liz takes this story and makes it um, all brand new in a sense, that she looks through the eyes of uh, the main characters, if you will. Boy, we serve a God of impossible things. Uh, Lisa or Diane, anything that you've seen God do kind of impossible or remarkable, especially during the Christmas season? You know, we had a really close friend and relative that passed away just before Christmas, like the day before. And we just thought, how can we ever sit down in front of a Christmas dinner where that chair is empty? And the most amazing thing is that one of our relatives who had gotten pregnant in an impossible, seemingly impossible situation, gave birth to her son on Christmas Day. Uh. And just to know that God just came through and that that chair that was empty is going to be now filled with a a newborn child Mm. on that day. I remember years ago um, trying to go home at Christmas, fly home to visit my family, and they live in a cold and snowy part of the country. So, of course, my flights were all canceled (laughs) with storms. And I remember sleeping in the airport for what I think was two and a half days before I could Mm. get out. It was one of those horrible memories of even when I go through that airport now, the smell of it brings me back to that moment. No joke. But with all those canceled flights, I was able to finally get home just in time for Christmas. And it turns out, in hindsight, that was the last Christmas that I spent with my dad because he was diagnosed with cancer the following month and died that year. And so it was just a neat blessing to be able to say that I made it home mm. and um, had that last Christmas with my dad. Mm. Mm. This just occurred to me. Uh, we visited a Peruvian orphanage at Christmas when um, our youngest, who was adopted and had been an orphan before we brought him into our family, uh, he was probably seven or eight. And um, on Christmas Day, he kind of got overloaded by all the activities and everything. And and I was walking him back to the room, and we were going to watch some pictures that I'd taken on the TV. And as we walked, he said, hey, Dad. And I said, yeah. He said, I'm glad you adopted me. Because he saw that these kids who had very little Mm -hmm. and had a a rough life didn't have anybody. Mm -hmm. And that was perhaps one of the best Christmas gifts I've ever gotten. But it sure was one of those impossible things. I never thought I'd hear that from Mm -hmm. that boy. But what a neat, neat gift from God. Well, we want you to enjoy this Christmas season. We want you to uh, have a memorable Christmas season. And part of that is just being intentional as a family. And to that end, Focus on the Family has created resources like our Adventures in Odyssey Advent Activity Calendar. And uh, as we close out the first week of Advent in the calendar, you'll find an activity where you light a purple candle on a Christmas wreath and you do that during a family meal and talk about it. Purple is the royal color. It represents Jesus, the king. And that wreath of evergreens reminds us that God is faithful to his promises. It stays green all year long. And as you light the candle on the wreath, you reflect about how God is faithful even when you're not aware of it. And uh, that's one example. You can find that calendar online. We also have a weekly activity calendar called A Season of Hope. And you're going to find both of those and other ideas, gift ideas too, at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Christmas Stories. Next time, a fun drama called Shoemaker Martin, which is a powerful story about serving God. For now, on behalf of Lisa Anderson, Diane Angolia, and the entire team here at Focus on the Family, I'm John Fuller, and thanks so much for listening to the Christmas Stories Podcast. 